Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 86 Moon Moon the Gloomstalker Fairy. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining D&D Jordan Lee's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my guests, I'd like to give a shout out to our first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can, apply it to your face, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nebula, and Brandstanding. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their website, going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I'd highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these awesome games. And if you don't mind, when you go to the website plus1exp.com, use my affiliate code Randolph when you're buying a beard balm or a beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, the code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. And after that exciting ad read, I've got a wonderful guest joining us today. So hello, mystery guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? <laughs> Of course, and thank you so much for having me. Um, I am D&D Jordan Lee. I'm a Take This ambassador, a Dead by Daylight content creator, TTRPG performer, and the DM for Ampistrano D&D, which is a homebrew 5e campaign. Oh, okay. So it sounds like you are wearing many hats and doing many various things online, sounds yes. like. Yes. <laughs> You're also really good friends with our elite patron supporter of our show, uh, Goblin Katie. Is that correct? Yeah, she is one of my best friends. We actually, uh, we game a lot together in terms of D&D. She actually helps me. We do on my channel a lot of charity stream weekends uh, around TTRPGs. And we do a Brunch of Palooza stream mm. on Sunday mornings where we play New World, although I think we're switching to Cult of the Lamb. Uh, mm. And we try to survive and it's usually just a lot of chaos and fun. I was going to say, I've only heard about this, but the vibes that I seem to get from this Cult of the Lamb game, it, it sounds vaguely reminiscent of like Don't Starve or something like that. Is that about the size of it? Kind of. I've honestly, when people have asked, have been comparing it to Stardew Valley, Hades, and Animal Crossing all in one. All right. Well, of course, this is a D&D podcast, so we got to get the obvious question out of the way of, do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? Absolutely never. No, oh. um, <laughs> I have been playing it on and off for the better part of the last eight years, really got into it about four or five years ago, and it's just been steady ever since I've been in a couple of campaigns, 
couple one shots and then I've been working on this homebrew campaign for the better part of the last three years and decided to bring it to the streaming space so as of about like a month and a half ago we started streaming and it's been fun exploring a completely homebrew kind of space but yeah I love it immensely. So is 5th edition been the primary edition that you've been playing in or have there been other editions? Like, have you gone back in time, as it were, <laughs> exploring other ways to play D&D? Sure. Uh, so my first actual interaction with Dungeons and Dragons was with 4th edition. There we go. Um, Rock on. Yep. There we go. That's the edition <laughs> it was I started 4th edition. <laughs> and then, like I said, kind of stepped away for a little bit and then... When I started to get into it again, I realized, whoa, fifth edition really made things a lot easier and more accessible. And I was kind of a little bit more intrigued by it. I think it just lent itself to more of a diverse kind of play style. So I liked that possibility. I do sometimes refer to fourth edition for some things, especially some of the modules. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, nah, it's been fifth edition. <laughs> Moving things along, we like to get to the hard-hitting questions here on Sidekicks and SideQuests by asking, who is your favorite sidekick or favorite NPC, whether they're from an RPG, a video game, maybe they're from a piece of literature, film or television, etc., and why is this character your favorite sidekick or NPC? Mm, so, <laughs> I think it depends on the game. I am a gamer, but I've always been a fan of, his name is Kakashi Hatakai. He's from the Naruto kind of anime manga, and he's in a lot of the games too. But for the most part, he's an NPC. He is kind of, especially if you're playing the newer or the older editions of the game, rather when Naruto is much younger, which if you don't know, Naruto's a ninja and he's trying to become- He does the run where he sticks his arms yeah. behind him and he goes real fast. <laughs> um, but he's constantly looked down upon. He just wants to be seen. Um, and a lot of people mistreat him and he finally gets paired with a group and gets a sensei, Kakashi, who honestly is so bored of everybody. He's reading a book. Like their first interaction, they have a single assignment to get two bells from their teacher. There's three of them. So obviously someone is not going to get a bell. And the first interaction with him, he's just bored and reading a book the entire time, just completely unfazed as they're throwing kunai and just not really about it. But as the series progresses, you realize that he is actually someone that deeply cares about everybody around him. And he's one of those characters that is very deeply flawed. He has made some choices in his life to try to distance himself from everybody and to try to not make the same mistakes he views it as his father did and in reality he's actually a much better person for that and learning that kind of those lessons and he starts to open up more and actually give more of an opportunity for some of the underdogs in the series and have a little bit more of an understanding and I think he's just one of those characters, like I said, that tips the gray area, but he's one of those characters that kind of just posts a reminder of in your normal life to just, hey, maybe take a second, think about maybe where someone else might be coming from on this kind of whatever topic it may be, mm -hmm. and seeing if you can kind of come to some kind of common ground. He's also, not going to lie, a complete badass. So like that helps. <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, I just think his storyline is just very interesting. He goes from thinking his best friend was dead and it was his fault to, oh God, he's actually fighting his best friend. And that whole redemption arc that happens between the two of them is just really interesting. What's been one of your favorite side quests, whether it's from an RPG, a video game, maybe a piece of literature or film or television, etc. And why has it been one of your favorite side quests? I had one. I read these questions and I had one. And now I'm like, mm, am I sure if that was my favorite one? I think one of my favorite side quests, I forgot the exact game that it was, but the characters you had to retrieve a doll that was missing. It was in mm. one of these kind of like medieval, kind of not exactly Skyrim, but very reminiscent of that style. And you had to go and retrieve a doll and it was in this haunted house. 
And as you're kind of going through the house in each of the rooms, you are kind of putting together the mystery of not only what happened to this doll and this girl, but also the you're kind of cluing in on the lives of the family that lived here. Mm. And it was a family. Again, it's bugging me. I can't think of the name. I was going to say, is this a real horror-centric sort of a thing? Because I'm I'm getting like horror vibes. You're like, oh, "Oh, yeah, no, this was a spooky section of the game. But no, Um, because I remember (laughs) I was kind of younger. So I actually made my dad because I was so spooked. He would be sitting right next to me while I was playing it because I was just so spooked at the time. The family, like you had heard horror stories about the family and, and about the house itself. But then you find this doll and it's it's just sitting in the uh, in the attic and it's just waiting for this little girl to come home. And she just hadn't come home. Girl was fine. She was just off traveling and just hadn't uh, come home. This was a space that wasn't a good space for her and didn't have a lot of really great memories. But the doll had a lot of great memories. Hmm. So you have this whole thing where you're battling through memories and trying to actually give this doll a new home. And it's a complete side quest. It's only one of those that's on the job board that a lot of the time, like, people would just ignore. Mm -hmm. But there's so much lore. And it's going to bother me. I can't think of the game. I know. Um, It sounds very Toy Story-esque, but it also sounds like something else, too. I know. Riveting. I I had it when I I was probably about eight or nine. So this is, like, 90s. If it was a point-and-click adventure game or something like that. I'm picturing, like, one of those, like, Arthur ones where you're just clicking through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember um, Carmen San Diego through time. That's the oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> nope. Loosen the foot of the statue so you can melt it down to make musket balls or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yep, there was that. There's a ton of those. But yeah, it was one of those. It wasn't heavy on the graphics. It was one of those point and click games. But I remember distinctly that game for whatever reason. It just something about it was just kind of haunting. So mm. I always made my dad sit with me. <laughs> so he'd just be sitting there reading the paper and then every so often like would spook me during it or something like that. But it was just one of those things that you don't, when you see on a job or whether it be in D&D or in a TTRPG or RPG game, mm-hmm. see one of those quests of like getting a lost dog or getting a cat out of the tree. Mm-hmm. It literally was just like retrieve a doll. Okay, <laughs> like that's the selling point. So to take a chance and to go ahead and go for it, something completely different. It was just really neat to kind of get a little bit more lore of the world, as well as learn some things about yourself and the character. And then to round out the personal interview section of the show, what are you passionate about and why? So it's kind of interrelated, but for me, I'm very passionate about mental health as well as charity streaming. We do, as a Take This Ambassador, myself and a number of other incredible individuals are out there trying to change the stigma around mental health. And I like that we're having more of a conversation around it. It's not so negative. So we're all actively working to making our spaces better and having those conversations. Mm -hmm. On top of that, just because it pairs well nicely to it and we bring it up, especially during charity streams, is... Mm -hmm. Charity streams. So what we do in my community, at least, is three to four times a year, we do a Games for Change weekend. It's basically three and a half days where we are playing TTRPGs or video games, sometimes Phasmophobia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and donations are coming in that will impact the game and they go towards different charities. So my community, for instance, we've raised money for Charity Water. We've done a little bit with Take This. We've done the big one we've been doing is Color of Change. And as of July, we raised over $19,500. But we raised that in a year and a half. And that's pretty incredible. Obviously, the goal is to raise money. But I think the bigger goal that's kind of connected with that is to signal boost these incredible causes, these incredible resources that are out there as well as connect people in the TTRBG community. It's really, really fun to kind of see everybody coming together, especially people who have never done this before. Mm -hmm. I've never played a system. So it's really fun to see that. And I really enjoy doing it. And that's why we continue to do it. But it's just fun to kind of see those two things, mental health, as well as these charity streaming, 
Uh, but not only in my space, but in those spaces of my friends around. All right. Well, we've learned so much about my wonderful guest, Jordan, that I think it's time to head into a segment called NPC Creation. NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and our patrons on Patreon. Now is the time of the show where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie, we say cheers. This, of course, is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. Katie is actually one of our highest tier level patrons, so that means she's able to introduce an element of chance to the random tables that we use in NPC creation, and they might get used here today. So if you want to learn more and join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, Check the show notes below, go to my website, or go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our three tiers, one, two, and four dollars, and help us expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. All right, after that lovely plug, it's time to make an NPC, and so we have a couple different ways we can go about it. I've got random tables, and if you like rolling dice, we can generate a NPC character completely from randomness, or if you have an idea of a character, you can lay it out on us as we go through the questions, or you can do a combination of both, whatever your preference. So uh, (laughs) what are we going to be doing this evening? I think I have a loose idea of a character of mine that I would love to have your help kind of fleshing out a bit more. Okay. All right. So is it going to be a combo of both where like there's a skeleton framework we're working with, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, we're also rolling for random things? Sure. I'm oh. all about the chaos, and I just think it makes a little bit more fun. Okay. So. <laughs> all right. Well, what is the uh, template, the archetype that we are working with? So I'm thinking we have a Gloomstalker Ranger, and she is a fairy. So a Doctor Ranger? Uh, not necessarily a Doctor. A Gloomstalker Ranger. So oh, Gloomstalker. Gloomstalker. Oh my goodness. Yeah, my ears. Yeah, I <laughs> no, heard. You're I heard like Dooms, uh, like a, a Doctor Ranger. <laughs> I was like Doctor Doom Ranger, Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman, or something like that. Going no, though. Though now I need that though. You realize you need to write that up, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a Gloomstalker Ranger. Gloomstalker. Yes. That is a fairy. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all we've got. But like everything oh, else, we're gonna roll for. God, for the moment, yeah. I think Rangers are oftentimes one of those classes that people either love or they hate for me it's one of the classes i love and i, I mean just, aragorn i mean come on yeah <laughs> dritz to orden right <laughs> but I, and i honestly really appreciate the gloom stalker and what it brings to the table and so i'm kind of imagining this female fairy who here's a question for you when you okay. play mm-hmm. D, are fairies sure. small or are they normal sized Oh, well, I mean, see, in my head, as a DM asking me, I would probably rule that a fairy would be the same size as a pixie, which would be, like, considered a tiny creature. Sure, we'll go with that then. So they will be pixie-sized. Isn't that what the monster manual says for a fairy is? Like, a fairy is a tiny-sized creature? It can be. Uh, It can be. Well, in the lore, it is, yes. But But in traditional folklore, it's, like, a small creature? It can be. So for me, at least in my world, for instance, and I'm pulling from a lot of different inspirations. Sure. Fae, such as fairies are often human sized, but they have the ability to shrink down if they would like to. Oh, is it kind of like the thing with like Julia Roberts and Hook? Like Tinkerbell was <laughs> tiny, but then like she got her wish for Peter Pan <laughs> and then she became adult sized and then she went back down to being tiny or something. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's your character. No, no, no. It's your I character. love it. So, well, no, I guess we'll I discover like more as we uh, as we go along through the process. But to get the dice rolling going, if you've got all your dice at the ready, I do. I uh, always carry some dice. Always. These are actually from Goblin Katie. Ooh, there we go. Brand and uh, and show synergy, if you will. So, the first <laughs> question we always like to ask on this show is, "What is the name of our character?" We determine that by rolling a 20-sided dice. All right. And that is going to be a 17. 17, as I look through the list. Ah, your answer was suggested by Gary Barker. Moon, moon. 
<laughs> so we've got a, a fairy gloom stalker ranger that's named Moon Moon. Moon Moon. There we go. All right. And uh, as I look at the questions, so uh, ancestry we've already determined mm -hmm. is as fairy size category. I guess continue to explore more, and then sure. the job or role in society gloom stalker ranger. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next thing to roll for would be how old is our character? Let us roll a d8 for the age range. Got it. That's going to be a three. Okay, young adult. So Moon Moon, the young adult Gloomstalker Ranger Fairy. <laughs> uh, and so now that we've got all these details figured out, now we get to come up with a physical description. So when we're picturing Moon Moon, obviously not a wolf, because I think that's where it comes from maybe, but when you picture Moon Moon, what do you mm -hmm. see? So when I picture Moon Moon, she has black hair that is curly it goes down to just above kind of her waist. It is kind of fashioned in half up, half down with braids that are kind of pulling the sides together. And what is kind of holding that half up ponytail is a series of seashells that she has collected wow. uh, from one of her journeys along the seacoast. And in the seashell that pops out every so often is a little hermit crab. Oh, um, that that's her little animal friend. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so now this comes into question as far as the size category that you believe Moon Moon mm -hmm. truly is. Hermit crab's pretty, I would say, like, you know, on par, like pretty large for a tiny sized creature, but then a small creature, like, okay, that seems appropriate, like for, you know, a hermit crab and a small creature. It seems like, oh, that's a reasonable sort of dimension, I suppose. I like the idea of it actually being like a, a very young hermit crab because they start off very small. So I like the idea of as she's kind of adventuring and, and they're both maturing mm -hmm. that maybe at one point she could even be riding on his back if he could. Oh, that'd be cool. Just like, <laughs> like yeah, just kind of <laughs> the crab is skittering along the ground and she's just riding on the, the shell, yep. just bobbling up and down. <laughs> Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, she just has to keep finding bigger and bigger shells and devices for the hermit crab to feel safe to go into. Mm -hmm. She cleans it out to, you know, help keep everything nice and neat. Okay, so a tiny, tiny fairy uh, who starts <laughs> off with a tiny hermit crab that could very well one day become like a small or even a medium-sized creature, mm -hmm. I guess. Because it's a fantasy world. We could have giant hermit crabs or something like that. For sure. And then did you say that she was like decked out in like archetypal sort of like hunting leathers and, and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, so very much wearing uh, a lot of like dark browns and blues and greens. She doesn't wear a lot of furs. I will mm. say that to kind of take it away from the stereotype of always rocking the fur. Kind Probably of... like overheats her too, considering like the, the heat dissipation with her size. It's like too mm -hmm. much fur is just like, ugh. Like too too, too much, hot too much. I yeah. I like the idea of kind of going with that sea theme. So kind of going with clothes that are a little bit lighter, um, mm. but always has that jacket at the ready. You know, for those colder days, if she's at the beach or out in the woods. Mm. Um, but I think she just has so much the energy. Pacific Northwest. It seems. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect. So I think she's very much pairs with that. And she mainly uses a sword, although to us, it probably looks like a needle, but it mainly uses that. And then she's got a little, honestly, why not? <laughs> I liked the idea of like having like a tennis racket for ranged attacks and kind of just almost think of like badminton. And so okay. she's hitting the darts at. <laughs> oh, so she has an implement that she uses to propel her darts rather than mm -hmm. her trying to chuck them. She just kind of like serves it up. Yeah, I kind of like that idea a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit more interesting. So I was expecting you to say like, oh, she has like this tiny little fairy sized long bow or short bow. And she's just <laughs> shooting like cactus needles or, you know, something <laughs> like that as arrows like. ah. I was thinking too, like a blow dart. Oh, blow dart. Yeah, that would also work, too. That would also work for sure. But no, I kind of it popped in my head. We're going with it. <laughs> OK, yeah, no, no. Rock it. Yeah. And if we had to describe moon moon with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Oh, geez. Um, creative. She is definitely one of those. I mean, especially with a name like that and the weapons that she has. Mm -hmm. uh, she is one that is going to think outside the box. Fiercely loyal. She's very protective. 
of those around her, especially her little hermit crab. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, does her hermit crab have a name? I think his name is Ollie. That name popped up in my head as we were speaking. So oh. I think that that fits nicely. It's a little Ollie, the hermit crab. So she's very fiercely protective of him as well as her home. So she's got a little glade. Uh, to us, it probably looks like just a little patch of dirt. But to her, it's a safety glade that she returns home to. And that just is her safe haven. And the last one, sorry, you made me think she's very competitive. Mm. <laughs> very competitive. <laughs> uh, does she belong to like an order or something of rangers? And, you know, maybe perhaps you're a little more readily familiar with rangers as a whole than I am. But just maybe for me and our podcast audience, what is it that makes Gloomstalker rangers different than the other types of rangers? Uh, Gloomstalker rangers are kind of just more of the ones that are Obviously, rangers are very adventuresome, but it's their specialty of what they're looking into. Gloomstalkers are more so they are looking for the creatures that are out there. They are looking for those darker spaces in the world. So I like to think that maybe her glade, for instance, is right near a portal to like the Shadowfell or something like that, where she's trying to make sure that certain monsters don't go out but also if she's bored of what's happening here in this world she could just pop in uh with ollie to do some exploration in there they're the ones that are most at home in the darkest of places in the deep under the earth gloomy alleyways primeval forests um and wherever else the light kind of dims which i think again is very kind of goes against the grain for fairies you normally think of them in a very light based environment But yes, they're very much relying on dark vision and kind of being sneaky, but looking for ways and secrets in dark spaces, but also those monsters that maybe shouldn't be in this space and Mm. bamfing them back. I kind of like playing those kind of classes that kind of tiptoe around that line. And is there, you know, like a particular backstory when it comes to the fact of uh, this chosen path? That she has otherwise you know she lives by this sounds like she lives by a seashore whether it's inspired by the pacific northwest or whatever else <laughs> and she's like oh i'm just chilling you know I'm, i've got this hermit crab friend and we're great and then but then she you know is next to this Shadowfell portal or something like that and she just feels the pull and she decides like oh i'm gonna be this protector and i'm gonna make sure that like <laughs> dark things don't creep into my glade and in this part of the woods and whatever else i kind of feel like folk hero I very much like going against the green a lot of the time. So I think she had like great family. She Mm -hmm. loves her parents. They're alive and well Mm -hmm. because hide that can happen in TNT. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Her parents are alive and well, but she managed to save her where she originally grew up from a creature that I think came out of the Shadowfell. Perhaps Mm. one of those like wraiths or something like that. And so she was able to save the town, but it sparked in her more of an interest in just staying in one spot. And she wanted to kind of explore to see what else was out there for her. And she found this perfect little spot. She kind of just used her wits as well as a lot of conversations with Ollie. Mm -hmm. And uh, they figured that this would be the best spot uh, where a lot of the kind of energies are aligning. Well, we'll get back to some dice rolling now because now we get to figure out what's going to be a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Moon Moon would ascribe to. So this is a combination where we roll a D4 for the category and then we roll a D6 for the particular thing. Love that. That's going to be a three. So three is a secret. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what's on the D6? And the D6 is a two two okay so your answer was provided by previous guest Catherine spitler moon moon apparently is a lycanthrope dm discretion (laughs) and they have not revealed this information so does this kind of tie in more to the the shadow fell sort of a thing like maybe the reason she went on this gloomstalker path was because she ran across a lycanthrope and she thought oh i can take on this thing and no, she couldn't. And she got infected with lycanthropy in the process. You have no idea how funny this is. 
uh, a little tiny little feral like when the moon is full moon moon oh and it's so perfect a little chihuahua just pops out (laughs) and her name is moon moon so it's like oh and it's even more on the nose this is also like the I, I've had a, a ranger character that's was not a gloom stalker, mm-hmm. and I put her in two different campaigns, and both times they made her lycanthrope. So that's why I'm cracking up because I'm like, I, is the universe trying to tell me something? Like <laughs> I don't know. The spirit guides the dice where they want to go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I like to think that maybe Ollie is that <laughs> her little person that's just making sure she's okay during a full moon. <laughs> This little hermit crab that's trying to reel her in because I, I imagine fairies have the ability to speak with small beasts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he's just like chittering away and like, stop, this isn't you. This isn't the real you, Moon Moon. Got and the little shell that's actually a cell for her to just sit in when it's a full moon and she can't control it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh so do you think it is like you were saying like oh like a little chihuahua so you imagine it is like an actual proper lycanthrope like a werewolf or is it you know mm-hmm. some other type of were creature like a were crab or were fish or something were like that. crab oh god um no i think it, it, the werewolf does actually fit i think her because of um, the, the, the name yeah it fits with the name but also i just think her aesthetic Mm-hmm. of kind of being in this little mini glade so i think that just i'm looking at all the wolf things that are around me right now so this is yeah. just a little mess. and our listeners can't see this because this is an audio medium but you and your interview background have like a it looks like a nighttime scene in the woods so it's yeah. like it's all it's all thematically appropriate here oh boy <laughs> all right that's well that's a juicy secret so yeah what is going to be a particular quest that Moon Moon would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? So if you want to utilize the last dice roll, it would be a D12. Or if you have an idea, you can kind of lay it on us. Or if you want to do like a combo of both. I think based upon that roll, I think that her kind of quest, because she's been realizing, hey, it's getting worse with each full moon. Mm-hmm. and as much as she tries to do so much good in the world it's a little more difficult to be able to control this kind of thing especially since she's so close to the shadow fell and that has very negative effects mm. so she can fight it to the best of her ability but she needs help so okay. i think with this and the fact that she likes to read and, and knows a bit of lore Mm-hmm. She might have heard a rumor about a stone that is somewhere in the woods around her. Okay. But the full moon is approaching okay. and she needs to get this stone because it will at least help her focus a bit more and be okay. able to block out at least temporarily the shadow fell's effects enough for her to perhaps start to be able to control when she does when she is in that lycanthropic state Mm -hmm. she's able to still remain herself and not hurt her friends not hurt ollie Mm -hmm. um so i think that could kind of be very interesting to have that and perhaps this stone could be something else that the adventurers need too the stone's not in the shadow fell it's just in the Mm -hmm. general vicinity of the area but the only time that it's really able to be sought out is Mm -hmm. during a full moon but that's also when she's afflicted with the transformation and stuff yes there's something known as the path of the moon it happens obviously you're kind of rolling the dice about when this is going to happen if it's a crystal clear night then it's a little bit easier to see the path that the moon takes through the woods Mm. as the light from it starts to touch branches and leaves stones as it's kind of moving if it's a cloudier night it's harder to see and not only that though there are other creatures that are seeking this stone out for other means too oh so it's kind of important to grab it i was gonna say is this forest anywhere near a mountain where a meteor crashed through and then you have to fight a bunch of zubats in a cave in order to get to the moonstone sure and then you got a you know like jigglypuffs and clee fairies that are like trying to sing at you too (laughs) yeah and i'm just imagining like a whole thing where you're trying to you know fight through a forest in a cave to get to this thing and then there's a bunch of like little fey creatures that are around the moonstone like 
casting sleep spells and stuff like that to anyone else who comes Make up sure to Make sure you it. got that escape rope too, uh, <laughs> to get out. <laughs> <laughs> so Moon Moon needs the party to go and retrieve this stone. While it's a full moon, she's, you know, going to try and lock it down as far as like to not interfere or anything like that. And the party's, you know, traversing through the wilderness and all the perils that are along the way. So if they go through this whole thing and they're able to successfully retrieve this moonstone as it was and beat everyone else to the punch and bring it back to Moon Moon, what is going to be the reward for successfully completing this side quest? The reward will be she has kind of equipment that she's gathered from all over the places she's traveled. And a lot of it she can't wear because it's too big. Mm. So... (laughs) She has a number of items that would be useful to the party. On top of that, she would also give everybody, this is something that's more sentimental, Mm -hmm. uh, but she would give everyone a necklace that is of a moon and a little hermit crab. Um, And it's basically a little friendship necklace to kind of just say thank you for helping guiding her and kind of being actually her full moon in a really tough time. And then by acquiring the moon, is she able to like counteract this lycanthropy as well? So she still transforms, but she's able to keep her wits about her. Oh, okay. So she like able to keep her like actual natural uh, intelligence, not go feral or or anything like that. Not be monstrous. Not not go and and not attack other folks, not go wandering into the Shadowfell when this is happening, because perhaps maybe there's some forces in the Shadowfell that want to do you know, something with lycanthropy or something that could be interesting and that could be another plot thread for the adventurers if they're looking into that kind of thing or wondering about that kind of thing. Perhaps there's disappearances in the forest that are nearby and a lot of people are blaming her when it's actually the portal that's sitting just down the way. What is going to be the result of this side quest if the player characters somehow fail to retrieve the Moonstone? Maybe someone else beats them to it? Um, the Moonstone gets destroyed somehow, I don't know, gets chucked in through the Shadowfell portal, or they just simply refuse the call to the adventure. What's going to be the consequence of that outcome? I think the consequence of that outcome is she's going to be stuck in that lycanthropic state, whether it's a full moon or not. It's not going to end for her in the kind of quest to save herself she loses herself if it doesn't go through she kind of doesn't stay at least outwardly and for the most part on the surface area of her head herself she kind of goes into those kind of naturalistic and sensual decisions Mm -hmm. and whoever could be around that could be potentially dangerous and again, we I know we were hinting at it, but you know, if something's happening in the shadow fell, that could be particularly dangerous. They could seek to control her or capture her. There's a lot more at stake. So she really was in dire straits as far as like she's near that tipping point. So by refusing the quest or, you know, just not getting there in time and getting the thing, she becomes more of the monster, I suppose, yeah. uh, than her natural self. Poor little Ollie having to be like, no, my friend, you know, is there a chance to redeem her? Is there a chance to rescue her? Like, no, she's too far gone. I mean, I guess the rules is written. You could still technically cure her of her um, lycanthropy if, you know, had the means to do so, I suppose. I would think it'd be more interesting because I'll I'll, I'll say this just and again, this is a whole thing with like lycanthropy and Mm -hmm. D&D. So I deal with chronic pain. It's, It's a part of life. Mm-hmm. So I have to wonder, and I feel like this is resonating with Moon Moon too, mm-hmm. of not necessarily being cured of lycanthropy, but just being able to still be herself because okay. it's it's become a part of her. Okay, so, so she's owned it. And so she's not necessarily seeking out clerics or, or anything like that. She to just be like... wants to be able to still be, she doesn't want her whole identity to be lycanthropy. She wants to still be her, even though in this state she looks different. She's probably acting different, but it's still her that's down there and and deep down. So I think 
there's still an opportunity for her to be saved. It's just going to obviously be a little bit more difficult. She's going to give in to the maybe the more animalistic cruelty and just mm-hmm. like everything else that like, you know, mythology and stuff like that teaches us about this thing. And I feel like, you know, on the the Kill Every Monster podcast, it was one of the earlier episodes where they they touched on lycanthropy and, you know, did this really engaging episode and and talking about lycanthropy. And I think they all mentioned that, you know, perhaps lycanthropy was this metaphor for chronic pain. So I certainly didn't want to, you know, impose anything of like, oh, no. she has to be cured of lycanthropy and stuff like that. And, you know, it may be different at every other table, but with how the player characters react to the situation. But as far as the character Moon Moon is concerned, it's just like, hey, you know, it, it's just my deal. Maybe it gives her an edge as far as being a Gloomstalker Ranger or something like that. And she's like, why would I give that up when it gives me, you know, an edge or something? I think I didn't take it that way, too. So to be clear, I think your reaction is actually very, like, Because think about whether you're playing D&D or you're playing a video game, you hear someone has some kind of vampirism or, you know, lycanthropy or or something else. Your first thought is, oh, we we have to remove it. Mm -hmm. It, I think that's also the dad in me, too. And, you know, yeah, I'm like, oh, there's a problem. (laughs) I got to go fix it. Yeah, sure. But I think that's also the adventure mentality, right? Like Mm -hmm. they got to fix it or make it better somehow. So I think. If anything, you had a very real reaction to it, and that's a really great RP moment of being like, no, like, I like that part of me. I just want to be able to control it better, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's perfect. I didn't take it the wrong way in any way, shape, or form. I think it's a very interesting kind of moment and something that can be explored because maybe there are some members in the party that are not totally down with the idea that, hey, this person can't control themselves. You know, mm-hmm. at a, a certain time of in that that time's weird soup that it is. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> or you're gonna have people that are trying to whisper to the DM and be like, "Yo, I want to join the wolf pack. Let yeah. just let Moon Moon bite me or something, yeah. and then we can all be we can all be werewolves together." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me we'll be, just do we'll that be real rolling quick. deep werewolf squad for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do have some optional questions if you are interested in exploring Moon Moon further as a character, or if you're good, then we can roll to the next section. I think she's had, I mean, we talked about her saving her family town where she grew up. I think where she's living now, there's a village that's nearby, and the like. children have always been taught to like stay away from the woods because a witch or something like that will come and get you. And I think for her, she's been slowly changing that kind of mindset for the children. So she'll come and bring flowers and leave them along the fences as a little gift, especially as a fairy. It's especially magical for her to kind of do that and have that kind of pleasant sight. Mm -hmm. Um, She'll make little dolls out of branches and twigs and kind of just make a place that is unknown and misunderstood a little less scary. And that's kind of carried through with the adults having, uh, still going through the forest maybe, but now they're not as heavily guarded or trying to go out of their way to avoid that forest completely. They feel reassured that there is a presence of some sort that is being a positive light and unknowingly also has a lot of darkness with them too. All right. Well, we have had a whirlwind of a time with Moon Moon. Never <laughs> not funny to say. And I think it's time now that we throw Moon Moon into a random encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas Titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in DFW and they've got an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a mini for you. Every time you shop with them and spend $40, $50 on your purchase, they're going to give you a cool new mini of the month. And it's always something new, so all the more incentive to be checking back often. I would like to thank Reaper Miniatures for all the support they've been giving me in the form of uh, various gift cards that I've been receiving. Certainly appreciative of it. I am more than happy to spend my gift cards adding new and cool interesting minis to my ever-growing collection. Reaper's Miniatures Bone 6 Tales from the Green Griffin 
wrapped up on Kickstarter, but I believe if you use Backer Kit, you might be able to jump on that bandwagon even at this late stage. Get signed up to receive some very cool minis. If you visit my website or you go in the show notes below, you can use that referral link in order to go shopping on Reaper Miniatures. By doing so, you're supporting Sidekicks and SideQuests at the same time because tracking that traffic helps to show Reaper Miniatures that we should combine our powers even more so. Be sure to click on that link below and be sure that you're following Reaper Miniatures on all the socials on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. Ooh, okay. All right. And after that riveting ad read that that announcer guy just did, um, this is the part of the show where we get to do a little bit of a role play, a vignette, a scene, if you will, with our character Moon Moon and maybe little Ollie, who knows. Um, But the question (laughs) becomes, you obviously get to voice and bring to life Moon Moon. But the question becomes, who am I in the scene? Am I going to be one of my podcast adventure characters meeting Moon Moon to get the side quest? Am I going to be... Um, you know, some child from the village that's like wandering in the woods and then, you know, kind of has an interaction there. Uh, am I some sort of dark force from the Shadowfell that's like having a <laughs> confrontation with Moon Moon? I don't know. What, what do you think would be interesting? I like there are a lot of threads here. I think let's go with the adventuring party is meeting up. Okay. Um, so one of the podcast characters. Yeah. Okay. There's now five. There was four, and now there's five. So your choices are, you have Duncan, who is the recklessly brave, happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. You've got Sonia, the warrior woman who multiclassed into Paladin. You have Korak, the lawful evil arcane trickster dwarf. You have Chrisley, the shy herbalist botanist wood elf druid who multiclassed into cleric. And now we have Orion, the astral elf wizard who apparently is newer to the prime material plane because based on his last adventure, that's where he was. But of those five, (laughs) who are you most interested for Moon Moon to meet? Oh, man. So many good choices. I think it would be really interesting to see. I'm sorry, who was the last one? Orion, the astral elf wizard. I have to. We have a name of Moon Moon. Orion uh, is in the sky, so I feel like we need to go with the theme. Okay. (laughs) It's about midday as Orion is walking through a forest of greens in all different hues, light, forest greens, as well as a dark blending in with those shadows as Orion kind of stumbles upon not necessarily a path. It seems to be some kind of uh, bending of twigs of several carriages have made their way through this area. As you are kind of progressing, every now and then you see these small, even though it's midday, fireflies that are kind of floating around. Mm -hmm. As you start to walk further into the forest, you start to hear the sounds of running, rushing water. A creek is nearby. With the last adventure that Orion was doing, he was uh, escorting... Um, a a halfling gentleman named Mr. Steiner from one town to the other. So after completing that job and spending some time with Mr. Steiner, um, you know, with, with, you know, uh, with Orion being interested in his, I believe it was illusion magic Mm -hmm. is kind of what his specialty is. So he's seen all these new, newer things that like he doesn't necessarily see uh, within the astral sea and the communities that exist there. Like it's it's just a whole new experience, you know, him being here in the prime material plane and, and experiencing nature like this. So as he's walking, he's seeing like these fireflies. And so he's practicing a, his illusion magic and he's like replicating like a, a like a minor image or something of like mm-hmm. a firefly kind of going around. And he's just he's just kind of taking it all in, I guess, with his solar like eyes that look like, I don't know, let's see, Orion stars. So maybe maybe it looks like like miniature stars or something in his eyes like you know burning like a constellation maybe kind of like yeah so like if you look in his eyes it almost looks like constellations but of course um you know orion is like his nom de plurts you know he doesn't go around telling what his real name is because he fears that people would have power over him or they would be able to um you know scryings or divinations or whatnot so he always just tells people his name is orion but he's seeing all these things in nature and he's just kind of uh, perplexed. And as he's, he's getting closer and he, 
you know, he's seeing uh, water in, in this creek. And so he'll, he'll stop and um, he'll take out his water skin. And I guess he realizes it's running low, you know, maybe hunger and, and thirst are things uh, that he hasn't quite had. He's had to make an adjustment to like realizing his body is now more synchronized into time. And mm-hmm. so he's like, his mortality is letting him know like, hey, your, your body actually needs things to live. And so he'll <laughs> crouch down next to the creek and start uh, filling up his water skin. And uh, he'll just continue to look around and, and uh, take it in, maybe set down on a rock and just kind of like sit uh, for a spell. And as you sit, kind of taking in the environment around you and how peaceful it is, as you're kind of looking around, you notice that there's this uh, large oak tree to your right that has several holes that have been kind of dulled into it, kind of almost like a, an owl having its little, you know, little den space to kind of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are tiny furniture that has been set out almost looking like in our world, like a patio. There are several of these holes, and and as you start to look closer, there looks like there are several windows. The other thing that kind of spooks you is as you're kind of taking in everything, a Mm -hmm. rock kind of moves by your right hand. And as you look down, you see two little claws kind of peeking out from underside of a shell. After a moment of movement as this crab small small crab uh with a blue shell kind of starts to move around you (laughs) trying to very carefully not be stepped on Mm -hmm. you see a uh, blur of light it's white and kind of blue as she whizzes by um she immediately scoops down (laughs) towards ollie and whoa you almost sat on ollie there oh Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, uh, welcome to my glade. And she kind of like starts to hand, like put her hand out. Oh, no. Okay. Let me hang on one moment. <laughs> she quickly whizzes away with Ollie and comes back. Uh, and you see her fully formed. Uh, sorry. Uh, this is my glade. I'm Moon Moon. Hmm. Yes. He He looks very quizzically. Uh, at this uh, smaller creature. He's going to roll, I suppose, an Arcana check. um, And he'll think about it for a second, and we'll say he does... We'll say he does better than average. So he's like, (laughs) I believe I've read this. I've never seen this before. You are a fairy, are you not? Yes. Yep. Ah, yes. So Woodlands and, and the Fae, these are realms unfamiliar to me well it's always interesting to explore a place you don't necessarily know about yes yes that has been the reason for me coming here i come from the astral sea you see i was with a spelljammer crew but we suffered a catastrophic accident out in the wild space and as a result i was hurled catapulted through the cosmos. Now I find myself here in the prime material plane. Curiosity, I suppose, is what's keeping me here. I'm not as anxious, I suppose, to get back to where I once was. And perhaps you, being of the Fey realm, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps you have something to teach me. And you'll see he starts using some of his illusory magic oh. skills. And so he starts shaping illusions, but... You can see they're not like the normal like mm-hmm. fae stuff that you would see. It's like he's almost creating like miniature solar system displays or something like that. You see like planets and stars and all sorts of other cosmic sort of imagery starting to float like a miniature diorama or something like that as he's like holding out his hands and shaping these images and just trying to see how Moon Moon will react. She's definitely intrigued uh, and she kind of points over to her tree house and you actually now that she's pointing it out on the tree itself you can see that constellations and uh the stars the phases of the moons that are around um are all inscribed as well as several of the creatures that come out at night um have all been kind of put on this tree but it's very subtle 
Um, mm. It almost looks like uh, where cuts of the tree would normally be because of age or wear and tear. But she's like, yeah, that I can't really do that magic stuff that you're doing and and she'll kind of do a small spell in front of um orion as well um but it kind of it's flickering for her mm. uh, always gets like this right around the full moon but um well I, you and i both actually seem to kind of be kind of worldly or interworldly i don't know the mechanics of how all that stuff works <laughs> uh travelers um there's a portal and she'll kind of gesture a little further deeper into the woods mm-hmm. that goes into the shadow fell. So is it I like think... a is it like a zoom pan shot like where he sees it and it distorts? Yeah. Orion kind of like takes a second to like adjust his eyes as he looks down and he kind of gets like a you know like that very visceral reaction like in the fellowship of the ring where it's like seeing the ring race or something like that where he's just kind of like oh Oh, that normal eye, it just looks like a spider web that's kind of cast over these branches. Um, And in the very center, you see this spider itself. Um, Mm. But that's the portal that's marking its way to the Shadowfell. I guess with the magical inclination and the fact that he's from the Astral Sea, it just like it just kind of like stuns him for a second. And he's just like, oh, that is that is definitely a different world. Um, Yeah, it's. Usually, again, about to be a full moon, I think, in the next two or three days. And he'll look up in the sky to look, and you almost see, like, in his head, he seems to be doing a calculation. And he says, ah, yes, the moon. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually when it's the most dangerous to be in this area, but I, I need to be in this area. Um, Actually, I was wondering, you seem like you are very intuitive when it comes to kind of being able to plot stuff out and be able to find things i'm wondering if maybe you might be able to help me yeah orion i imagine is kind of like this calculating sort of individual so he'll probably take a second and he'll be you know look quizzically kind of like he's trying to like weigh pros and cons and he's trying to think and he's like well mr steiner individual was interesting and he certainly had interesting words to say. I don't know if I necessarily take it all in, but you seem interesting and curious enough. Yes. Well, what is it that you have need of me? So there is, and she'll quickly dart off <laughs> as she's saying this to her. And his mother. eyes like try to follow as where she's <laughs> zipping around. And she'll disappear into her treehouse and come back out this time with a number of different books and parchments which she kind of lays out in front of orion and you see her kind of move her hands in a way and all of a sudden the page parchments start to shift and grow and enlarge enough for orion to actually see what's written on the pieces of paper oh oh thank you yes i mean i I suppose i could have read it but it does make it a bit easier on the eyes in which again she can look into his eyes and see it almost looks like like a swirling stardust constellation sort of a thing with his eyes going on um so there's something that i'm i'm afflicted with and it's important that i stay here for now as much as i want to go actually i'm probably going to go with you but i might just ask ollie and she kind of gestures over to the hermit crab who is now busying himself making dinner uh for (laughs) them um i might have ollie uh keep an eye on me but um there's a stone that's in this woods Hmm. it's hard to pinpoint just because the location of it kind of shifts but it's supposed to be near and she kind of actually steps onto the map and walks towards where there's a small mountain range that's not too too far away but it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a journey um it's somewhere in this area the problem is we would need to be discreet if we are able to find it just because it is a powerful stone um i'm i'm here because i'm keeping an eye on the portal that you saw i need to make sure that more things don't come out of that portal that may be seeking that stone mm. it's really important that we get that one so they don't you know get it and i'm not sure what they're planning to do with it um but also i need it and as she's saying these words orion's like looking around the glade she's talking about like defending it from things that are possibly coming through seeking it for evil means 
is he seeing like trophies or totems or other things showing like her warrior prowess as it were yeah <laughs> mainly drawings honestly it looks like both her and ollie have been just drawing on everything around whether it be leaves um that have been kind of now that you're looking a little bit closer kind of mm-hmm. look almost like think of like a birthday party of streamers <laughs> just mm-hmm. kind of around the glade um and it seems like it's telling the story of like hey a few nights ago they took on you know a wormling or something or a wraith that came through mm-hmm. um definitely okay. showing those profies as well as you can see that there's some teeth and stuff that's kind of strewn about that she has collected um mm. that now she's using for decor <laughs> so. okay so that it sounds like that kind of feeds into the the myth from like the nearby settlement where orion was heading to that's like oh there's a witch in the woods because there's mm-hmm. like teeth and bones and whatever else dangling yeah. from the trees and stuff like that so yeah as orion's kind of looking this in it almost like he takes a quick glance and maybe he thought it was like arcane writing or something like that like wards or something like that and but now that he's looking at it he can see like this pictorial tale going on about the exploits and so he says well i suppose if you do need help retrieving this stone as it were well you seem to know the lay of the land a lot better than me but he'll reach down and he'll kind of pat a book and he says but i suppose i have some tricks some talents up these (laughs) humble sleeves well you definitely look like you have the uh i think what's the term my uh mom used to say all the time you have the brains and I can do the brawn at least for this. Uh, and Ollie can really work his way around a, a pitchfork. I promise you it's, it's really a fork, but he can really work his way around it. Um, but it would be a huge help. And I have a ton of things here. Maybe you could find use of, you know, I have a ton of maps and stuff. And I don't think the shadow fells on the same level of astral sea, but perhaps we can find something here that might be able to, at least get you a little bit closer to getting back yes yes perhaps i think this would be most suitable and so if orion did not introduce his name he will say i orion accept this charge and i will accompany you to find this stone thank you this means more to me than you will probably realize We did it. Yay. Moon, moon. Moon, moon to the rescue. (laughs) All right. So now we're starting to get here into the section of the show that I like to call final thoughts. So what did you uh, think of the little random encounter there and getting to explore moon, moon as a character? Now I need to play her. That's the problem. (laughs) Well, I guess you've got a charity stream or something coming up, right? I suppose you could uh, just kid her out, make her a player character. (laughs) No, this was a lot of fun. And I think, honestly, I like the questions that you had uh, to kind of think outside the box. Because for me, I, when it comes to character building, I kind of did a little bit backwards. Normally I write the backstory and then I allow the character to tell me what they want to be. So from this, I was just like, I don't know. We're going to go with this first and we'll build it out later. (laughs) So yeah, it was cool to step out of the box and I really liked it. It's always nice to color outside the lines every once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the show, I like to give the platform, the stage, the soapbox, the microphone over to the guests. So, you know, any other concluding thoughts or critiques or whatnot, and, and certainly your plugs for everything that you do and causes and charities and all that, drop it on us. Let us know. Sure. Um, again, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. And if you're not listening to this podcast or following, uh, please do, because it's- Support the Patreon. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Support the Patreon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say to, um, yeah, just please support. Um, Thanks for having me. Again, I'm D&D Jordan Lee. Uh, You can find me streaming on my own channel. During the week, we do Dead by Daylight, and I talk about how it relates to a lot of things in Dungeons and Dragons, especially with some of the perks and stuff. And then on Saturdays, although we're off this weekend, most Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, you can find me on my channel playing Ampistrano. I'm the Dungeon Master leading a group of adventurers through a D&D 5e game 
with some interesting things such as their spirit scores and there may or may not be a crystal that's stealing souls and stuff like that. So it's a ton of fun. We also have a YouTube, we have a Patreon, and we're working on getting a podcast out there as well. And then on Sundays, you can find me with Goblin Katie trying to survive, whether it be New World or Cult of the Lamb. So uh, I'm around. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not already supporting wonderful charities like Take This and whatnot, be sure you go check them out. Follow Jordan so you can get regular updates since she's one of their ambassadors. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuest.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons & Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash Sidekicks and Sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!